Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Welcome. Uh, today we're talking to Assistant Professor uh, Dr Hans van Jick. He's um, from the uh, Social and Behavioural Sciences in the Department of Organisational Studies at Tilburg University. And um, he's um, one of the authors of a very interesting paper looking at um, overqualification and um, the impact that it has, which we'll look at at a, at a moment. Anyway, welcome, Hans. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Good morning. It's a pleasure. <laughs> um, so do you just want to tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, and kind of give us a little bit of um, background of your journey, your research, and your doctorate and things like that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. Um, so I'm Anid Hans uh, van Dijk. It's uh, one of the most typical Dutch names you can have. So I'm Dutch, and right. um, I, I actually studied organization studies and organizational psychology, um, and then moved on to study applied ethics um, in Belgium, which I found really interesting. I did my thesis on sexuality of um, people with a disability, which is something really different. Um, and then uh, actually by accident, I started working at a business school. I always wanted to just go work for companies and uh, build a career. Um, but then I started working in a business school and I really loved teaching. Um, and uh, after working there for two years, then I figured, okay, if this is what I want to do, then I need to do a PhD. And I never considered myself to be really a researcher. But um, then in Tilburg, they just had a position available uh, for a PhD. And for four years, I focused on uh, diversity uh, as a topic. And um, I got my PhD cum laude. And then it was really at the junction, like, okay, do you want to continue in academia or not? Yes. And the thing with academia is a bit, as you know, once you're out, it's very difficult to get in. So I figured, okay, let's just see, uh, continue on that journey a bit. And now it's seven years later, uh, so I work at the Department of Organization Studies, where I, what, what I used to study, and uh, I really love the combination of uh, teaching and research. Um, I think it's really nice on the one hand to just dive into a topic, learn for yourself about it, and trying to share what you've learned, um, and also discussing it uh, with the students and, and helping in their development. So, uh, yeah, that's um, my journey until here. Brilliant. And, and what was your doctorate on? Um, so mostly on diversity um, in in teams. Um, so uh, the diversity literature very much then focused on like, hey, on the one hand, diversity can be very helpful because if there's people who differ from each other, they can learn from each other. But on the other hand, when you differ from each other, you tend to hang out with people who are similar to you and, and then you get subgroups. And for me, it was a bit like, yeah, that's all true, but I, I miss one element, and that is that, at least in my brain, and, and I know it's not something that's desirable, but the moment when somebody is different, you immediately make this judgment or evaluation, like, okay, where is that person compared to me, right? Mm. Uh, and that was kind of the part that I was missing. So what I developed in my PhD is this, this kind of status perspective where... Um, I argue that the moment when you work together with others in a team who are different than you, uh, immediately the status differs. They start to emerge and pop up. And uh, that influence how you behave towards them, how they behave towards you, yeah. this informal hierarchy, right? So you will. Yeah. 
That that's really interesting. There's there's a lot of research um, being produced at the moment about virtual teams and conflict within virtual teams. Um, that uh, a, well, a lot of the primary research is showing that there's more conflict in virtual teams than physical teams, and most of it's around around issues to do with diversity and those differences that people perceive. Quite uh, quite a lot of them are cultural differences. Um, yeah, and they they they, they talk about um, cultural fault lines. So, yeah, uh, really interesting. Uh, yeah, maybe we need to talk about that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> sure, we can. Okay. Well, at the moment, with the whole Black Lives Matter uh, protests going on around the globe, uh, I mean, it's the you can see how much is going on, and for me, a lot of that is these these implicit informal evaluations that we make every day, quite often subconscious, uh, and it, it influences how we treat each other in society and obviously also how we treat each other when working together. Yes, yes, it does, yeah, in, 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 in quite a way. I actually hate that, that question about PhDs because it's very hard to kind of just, after all that work, years, <laughs> trying to just put it down into some kind of language for people. I know what it's like. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. I hope this was kind of understandable for the re- <laughs> listeners. Okay, so um, so you recently published uh, with some colleagues um, from the University of du- Dublin and uh, ESCP in Berlin. You recently published a, a, a a really interesting paper in the Human Resource Management Review um, entitled Welcome to the Bright Side, Why, How and When Overqualification Enhances Performance. Um, do you just want to give us a bit of an overview of what led to that research and why you did it? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's with two co-authors, Kerstin Alves and Amanda Schantz. And uh, Kerstin actually became my colleague in I think 2012. Uh, we were just colleagues for one or for two years, but um, uh, we got along really well. And so first you just introduce yourself to each other, but then you start to talk about research. And um, she, together with Amanda, um, were doing research on overqualification. And I was like, what's that? So they explained it to me. <laughs> and um, it immediately triggered some some kind of like thoughts and experiences with me about, for example, when I was a student um, and I worked at this, this home care office organization, uh, we made the schedules uh, for home care workers. And then on the one hand, I mean, you work with people who are much more experienced than you. Um, but on the other hand, as a student, you, you write sometimes your brain works a bit differently. And I just noticed that, that on the one hand, I frame it as differences, but on the other hand, you can also frame it as differences in qualifications mm-hmm. and, and how that then influences working together. And when I was talking with Kerstin about all of this, she was saying like, well, you know, actually all the overqualification literature and research so far just looks at individuals as overqualified employees void from their context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is where with my diversity in teams, background i was like well but actually i mean everybody nearly everybody works in an organization together with others and mostly in a team and then when you are overqualified you are different so actually we can use many insights that we have in the diversity literature and apply them to understanding how overqualification works out yeah so that was kind of the start Mm. yeah yeah got you okay so um so so let's just start with that previous research um and and quite a lot of it's usually talking about the negative aspects of of over qualification do you just want to talk about that for a little while about what what the previous research has been finding yeah sure sure so a lot of the previous research just focused on overqualified employees in and of themselves and mainly looked at how do they experience their work 
And um, then if that's the question that you're asking, then that's also what you're measuring. And then in this case, if, if you ask people who are overqualified, like, hey, how do you like your work? Well, then it may not be too much of a surprise that they indicate like, well, you know, actually I'm a bit overqualified. Um, it's a bit easy. Uh, I'm not really challenged. Uh, I get a bit bored uh, sometimes. And um, right, sometimes when, when those are the findings in research, and sometimes you just kind of like, refine them and refocus on them because if this is what we find we take it for granted and then we continue building on that kind of tradition and those thoughts um so that's what most research found and and what quite soon the literature su suggested to be true um but it's also tended to be a little bit the kind of like the sense in practice that overqualified workers were seen as undesirable who would only work until they would get a better offer uh, or a better job and that is where we figure like, hey, you know, actually that's, that may be in part true, but we really believe that to be just one part, one side of the story. Um, so on the other hand, you can also look at them as like, hey, if you're overqualified, it means that you have more qualifications, yeah. uh, right? Yeah. So, and, and, that, and usually what you want is you want a person to have many qualifications because they will be better able to do the job. So... Um, uh, so that was one part, and then there's the whole social part where we figured, yeah, but also when they work together with other people in a team, that leads to all these kind of dynamics that may actually be helpful and lead to more positive outcomes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so the typical assumptions of uh, of people with um, overqualified individuals, particularly kind of recruiters and HR, is is overwhelmingly kind of negative they kind of usually kind of stay away and I, yeah i've experienced this personally and i'm sure quite a lot of people are where the yeah. the, the reason for not hiring you is you're overqualified yeah of all exactly those things. so what did your research find that was different from all of that yeah so um it was it was a conceptual paper and in that sense we didn't get a data and didn't mm -hmm. didn't empirically find something but what we did was we went to the literature um, that focused on different topics and looked at like hey what what insights can those studies that have been done by others in the past um, can we get that we can apply to this field of overqualification to better understand or get a more comprehensive view of what the experiences are of overqualified persons and um, and so if you just look at them themselves, then there's a, a broad range of literature on uh, just human capital, uh, right? Very basic, but it's, it basically suggests like, well, the more human capital a person has, the better that they are in their job. And a very important element of this capital is, is your education or your qualifications. And overqualified can also mean more uh, experience than asked for in a job. Um, but so that that was one part. Um, but what I think the most important or exciting part is, is the whole social context. Um, because from the status perspective that I developed then in my PhD, uh, we were arguing like, look, you know, if they are the high status persons in a team, because if, if I work together with others, the first thing that I look at is like, hey, who in this team is the most competent person who we can more rely on, who can at least informally be more of the leader. Uh, and then whenever a person says something, then you listen more to that person, you learn more from that person. Um, you also, if you have a question, that's the person usually you to go to. 
Um, so for overqualified employees, that means that they are being put in a position where they can actually excel because people give them the floor, they give them room, they trust them. Um, and that does a lot to you, right? When people mm. see you as a competent person, um, this is quite often what I, what I tell students, like, look, you know, if you see me as competent and, and I say something, you, you tend to believe me and, and right, you, you praise me for the things that I'm saying because it's so insightful. Um, so even if I make a mistake, you may think like, ah, you know, but everybody makes mistakes. So Hans, that's, that's okay. Mm. Uh, we know that you are good. But if you think I'm incompetent and I make a mistake, mm. Uh, then, then your response is, ah, that's Hans again. again. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So, so it, it's very important what your image or what your perception mm-hmm. is of me. And and I'm, I mean, so we argued like, look, these high overqualified employees. If we see them indeed as troublesome employees, then okay, this is how we will treat them and how we will see them. But if we see them as the people who we believe and argue they are, like the more overqualified persons who have a lot to offer, then actually we can really benefit a lot from them and and. Uh, right, they can perform better, uh, and others can learn from them and want to be with them. So that can also help the the team as a whole. Mm. We believe. Yes, yeah. I was particularly interested because um, one of the things that you were talking about in the paper is this um, the effect of enhancing the team's status and performance of having an overqualified team. Do you just want to tell us something about, about that? That's yeah, sure, sure. There is um, uh, quite some more sociological and psychological research uh, that focuses on the role of status in teams. And um, one of the reasons why we like to work in teams and anyway be part of groups is because it helps our self-esteem. Uh, so... Um, Right, as a Dutch person, uh, we love football, uh, as you also do, right? Um, and whenever there's a Dutch soccer team playing, then we all like to dress up in orange and, and behave just as a group. And it gives us this confidence and feeling like, yeah, we're really good, uh, etc. But we do that in particular when we are winning. So when a Dutch soccer team is losing, then suddenly we get rid of our orange clothes and we don't like football anymore, etc. Um, and, and it's the same when you work together with others in, in a team, in an organization. If you're part of a winning team, then, then you really like it. And then it gives you confidence, it gives you a boost, you want to be part of that. And so if you have these kind of superstars in your team, or if you work together with very other competent, very other competent people, then you're usually more proud of your team. And, and being more proud of your team and identifying more with the team means means that uh, you want to do more for the team. Um, uh-huh. if, if, if I play football and I would be in a team with, with a Lionel Messi, for example, then I for sure will make sure that I'm well prepared and, and really do my best um, because I don't want to, well, I, I will anyway look like an idiot compared to him, but right so so having these superstars uh, which in in this case is like what we say overqualified employees can be uh, brings out the best in everybody in the team yes yeah and and there's, there's also been quite a bit of research showing about um identification so that if we have a superstar as you call them the overqualified pe- person in the team um this kind of reflected glory that person's yes. ours <laughs> exactly so exactly. there's this kind of inter-team rivalry almost that you get within organizations kind of we've got this person on our group or our team and um, yeah. I've, I've seen quite a bit of uh, research about that what one of the papers so we did um, a, a research briefing in 2016 actually with some people from from holland strangely enough um that was looking at overqualified people and what it is that why 
the 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 previous findings have been that there's higher turnover with overqualified people and and actually what it found was really interesting it found that the quality and it was completely opposite to what i was thinking the uh-huh. quality of the leader leader member exchange so the the quality of the relationship between the leader and the people within the team uh-huh. high quality lmx or high quality leader member exchange and high quality leaders have more turnover with overqualified people than low quality LMX, which was like, what, what's going on here? And it turns out, and what this study found was, that high quality leaders push overqualified people to expand themselves even further by leaving. So they're they're looking after the overqualified people by helping them get into a position where they're they're more employable by other people. And that actually the the, the evidence for them leaving because they're bored or something like that actually isn't quite as strong as we thought it was at first. And there was this kind of counterintuitive interaction between high-quality leaders and overqualified people, this kind of identification of like, Come on, you can do better than this. <laughs> Go to another organization. Yeah, so. yeah, I, um, I, I can very much imagine uh, that to be the case. Um, and I, I really think it very much depends on how do we look at those kind of people. Do we look at them as idiots for not being able to get a better job, or um, right that something is wrong with them? Because why otherwise are they working in a place that they're overqualified for? Or are they perhaps people who willingly choose for it? Because, right, maybe they are like, look, you know, I, I have many other things that I do next to my job. For me, it's not the most important thing. Uh, I don't want to work 80 hours a week. Uh, I want to just be able to do my job on an easy way so that I have enough cognitive space left uh, to do other things next to my job, which I think is a perfectly reasonable and sensible uh, reason, for example. Um, And I also think, like, as a leader in particular, it's so important, like, how do you look at your employees? Um, And and in this case, specifically, how do you look at your overqualified employees? And if you look at them as actually people who um, can offer a lot, then I think like, look, you know, then as as a leader, it's your job or ideally you just try to, on the one hand, make the best use of that. But on the other hand, also just look at them like, hey, what do you want and how can I help you? Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah. There's quite a bit of research showing that it's the perceptions of the people around the overqualified people that either cause the problems or help by th- that help that person to to actually use their overqualification to help the organization and to become those superstars and 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 that that rather it being the the overqualified person that's the problem it's quite often the the managers and people around exactly. them that cause the issue because of their perception of them yeah and, exactly and and some of that i think's got to do with some psychology to do with ego defense and like <laughs> they're more qualified than me and we've certainly seen that in lots of organizations yeah so, yeah they see them as a threat that's right uh, that yeah sense. they see them as a threat and that they you know they want my job and uh, quite often they don't um and from an anecdotal point of view I'd, i've got a friend who's a who's been a professor in fact was one of my um, supervisors of phd he's now a gardener and yeah. he just enjoys it and he's that's his, you know, way well overqualified. This is, you know, he's got more books than like, like I'd love his citation <laughs> record. But um, that's he. He just didn't want any more of the pressure, 
and um, he's enjoying what he's doing. He's very good at it, and um, he's 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 really kind of, you know, as a as a, as a gardener. Um, he's not the head gardener, but he's he he does way more than anybody else. Um, and he's he I know he's down in the gardens, um, at times when nobody else is uh, is around, um, because that passion that he's got it's interesting. Okay, yeah. um, so f- for you, for organisations and people in organisations, kind of HR people, recruiters, and things, what are the main takeaways from from what you've found? Yeah, well, I think the the most important one is um, h- how do you look at overqualified employees? So when you get a CV or when you have a uh, right for recruitment or when you have an overqualified uh, colleague, how do you look at them? I think that's by far the most important aspect and element. Um, with this idea in mind that how you look at people really influences how you treat them yeah. and that influences then how they feel and, and how they behave and how they perform, etc. So it, this is, I think, very influential. And what we really want to try to accomplish is the shift in thinking of rather than looking at them in terms of more problems and issues and etc. right, these negative sides that we want people to shift that thinking and look in terms of possibilities and strengths. Uh, so there's any way in... in Psychology, this whole development more towards like strength-based um, looks into people, and I think that really applies here. So that's the first. Uh, second, in terms of bringing out the best in them. Um, this is where we believe the social context is very important. So it's not just about them, but it's about them as part of a larger organization or a larger team. And um, the status element then is very important that uh, you you make people and others aware of the competencies and the strengths in these overqualified employees. Because if they understand and see like, hey, actually that person is overqualified, that person has quite much knowledge, wisdom, experience, expertise that can help us, then uh, on the one hand, you give them the confidence, uh, right? And the affirmation like, hey, I, I can see you. I see that you are somebody who can really contribute here uh, and the people around that will also see that person like that and and right so we argue like hey that will really help an overqualified employee to, to really contribute and be the best person uh, that he or she can be in the organization um, and then others can learn from that person uh, and it can give a boost in this identification with the team and with yeah. the organization yeah yeah yeah, one one of the things that, um, that I'm involved in in terms of research is um, learning orientation within organisations, and, and a quick scan of some of the literature around um, kind of perceptions and learning orientation and things like that before the interview, and I I suspect and I I think there's some reasonable evidence for this is that um, teams and organisations that have, have a high learning orientation are much more likely to make better use of overqualified people and to see them as a learning resource, resource mm. than organisations and teams with a lower learning orientation. And, and certainly we're finding, so my, my research area is to do with uncertainty and things, and uh, uh, there's a number of factors involved in that, but learning orientation is starting to come out as one of the, one of the big things that changes a person's perception of uncertainty yeah so people with a higher learning orientation are much more likely to see uncertainty as an opportunity with people with a lower learning orientation and and usually some of that's to do with ego defense and 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 sense of threat and things like that um, are, are significantly less likely to learn from the situation and less likely to move into it in a positive way 
So, and I'm, I'm looking at some of the studies around overqualification and some of the things that you found. Um, I'm, I'm starting to think that there's something there in terms of learning orientation as well. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's quite a high correlation between learning or organizational learning orientation and team learning orientation and their perceptions and use of overqualified people. Yeah, I uh, think you are absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, should definitely be something there, something to study. Yeah, maybe we need to do a, <laughs> yeah. a correlation study. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hans. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate your time. Um, how can um, members contact you if they want to do so? Um, and yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, well, um, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me and having me here. Um, I really like it. And um, if they want to contact me um, by email, probably is easiest. Okay. Um, so j.vendijk1 at tilburguniversity.edu. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, that's great. Have, have you got any social media profiles that you use? Or? LinkedIn. LinkedIn, okay. Yeah. LinkedIn, that's yeah. brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you, Hans. That, that That's brilliant. I really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, good interview. Thank you very You're much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. you. Take care. You too. Bye. Thank you Bye. for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford-review.com. And please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm-hmm.